0: It's time for Cats Talk Wednesday. Small town and big city joined forces. Vinny Hardy of Lynch, Kentucky, and Terry Brown of Louisville, Kentucky, team up to give you free-flowing, laid-back sports talk. Focus on Kentucky Wildcats, as well as pertinent information in the NBA, NFL, and Major League Baseball. So here it is, Wednesday evening. Here we are, dressed like everybody who knows us would expect us to be dressed, considering what's happening Sunday. Terry Brown coming from the Midwest. Finny Hardy here in Tennessee. Cats Talk Wednesday, man. How we doing? Even though we're going to be enemies this week, we, we you know, it's, it's, you know, it's the collision course. We should have been undefeated as well, but we're not. Cowboys Niners Sunday at seven. It's just one of the many things we got to talk about on this episode. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. we're
0: we'll talking about it. We we we, we you know we, we coming back out there to Levi's Stadium and need to prove to ourselves that we can beat y'all. So it's it's been a minute and two playoff exits. So we need to. It's one of these hurdles for us to try to get over. That's that's where we are with this thing. So, uh, tons of stuff besides that. I think Ray Davis just gashed Florida again for another explosive play. If I'm not mistaken.
1: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff to talk about.
0: Yes, sir. Uh, five and zero, uh, heading into Georgia. Where everybody hoped they would be, that's where they are. So, we'll you know, big weekend, cats and dogs, cowboys and Niners. We're streaming on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook live. Follow us at Cats Talk Wednesday on uh the Twitter or X or whatever. The Twitter, I still say Twitter, and the Facebook you, page.
1: You say the Twitter like an old person, but that's yeah, all right. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm doubling down now since this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I already got a comment in here too. So let's see uh see what we got here. Let's show this comment. Oh, it's your homie, Kevin Hale, round of shots. My bros, hope you do so well. We're doing well, Kevin. Appreciate you chop jumping in here and appreciate everything you do on Sunday. Letting uh, a 49ers fan be a panelist every week. That's a that's a good deed right there, man. That you let Terry. Jerry Rice Brown on your fine podcast each and every week. So <laughs> it's already started, man. We this it's gonna be this all it's gonna be this all evening.
1: You, you um, wasn't this chesty in the playoff matchup. Let the let well, the record show. Well, <laughs> now, now, now you're being chesty.
0: Okay. We, you know, we, we, I don't know. We can't do that differently. Uh you you were positive and you and I'm not negative, you know. some might think I am. If if I think my team, if I'm not that confident, I'm always hopeful, but I wasn't too confident in those playoff games. I'm watching, hoping they win. It's like you fill your bracket out, Kentucky, every year. I don't always do that. I'm just as hopeful that they win as you. It doesn't make me bleed less blue than you. We just kind of approach it differently. And Yeah, absolutely. I'm confident coming into this Niners game, but I, I, they got to they got to show us a little something. We, we, we tired of losing to y'all, and they need to prove to themselves more than anybody that, you know, in case we see y'all again, that we got a solution to these problems that y'all pose.
1: Niners are rolling, man.
0: They are. They are. They
1: uh, Twelve straight uh, regular season games. Mm-hmm. 14 straight, 14 straight, and 16 out of 17 total games. The only loss being the NFC Championship game when I could have played quarterback, you know. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's uh, uh yeah, I'm, it's a good time to be a 49er fan, man.
0: Looks like your whiteboard is going to be banned. Or oh, maybe whiteboard on not on this show. Or maybe he's trying to ban it for Sunday. Either way, we'll see. Uh, he's yelling. He's typing in all caps and everything. I'm just saying. The whiteboard hey, is not allowed on this show. He's-
1: that that oh, that's no. it's preparatory, uh, preparatory. Preparatory. Whoa! I can't even say oh, it tonight. Lord. Pro- oh, Lord. Preparatory. Preparatory.
0: Propitiatory. What are you trying to say? Per- I don't,
1: it's mine. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> preparatory. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, I'm struggling today. Anyway, uh, man, but, hey, hey. Yeah.
0: Go ahead. But how are you doing and what's going on? Thoughts on where you want to go? I'm going to send this um, this link to our guest. Two guests coming up as well. Memphis fans, sports director, sports radio. Network, the college credit hour coming up at 7. And Nick Sturgill, uh director of operations, for the Portal 31 Coal Mine and Tour. In my hometown of Lynch, Kentucky, you know, transfer portal is the hot word. Portal. We've been talking portal for years because the portal is actually the end of the coal mines. This portal is where you can come and, and see right through the mine itself. Having a grand reopening. Nick is director of operations. A lot of big dignitaries from the state are going to be down in Lynch, Kentucky on Friday. So Nick i going to talk about the history of the portal and everything he does. So that's going to be cool. I'm going to go up there uh, observe the grand opening. So it's going to be fun in, in my hometown of Lynch. I drove you right by it. When you were down from my dad's memorial service, going to my mom's house, drove right by where that entrance to the mine is at. So uh, looking forward to talking with Nick as well. And I'm going to get this link to Memphis Spence. And, man, I'm going to let you wax poetic about – because I got a little chesty and talk to talk a little bit. And, you know, you can
1: – Well, yeah, we got to talk about uh, the, the Cats uh, taking on the Gators. I mm-hmm. mean, three straight, four out of six. I never thought I'd see – uh, that happened, and I know this is not your Danny Werfel's Florida, your Tim Tebow's Florida, uh, Rex Grossman, uh, Florida, whoever else, uh, or even Jesse Palmer. I forgot till the game was going on that he had that four-touchdown rushing performance uh, yeah. some years ago. Uh, I just never thought it would get to the point where Kentucky, top to bottom, was a better football team. Like, it never felt that. Florida was going to make a push. Kentucky's defense was too good. Uh, and Ray Davis, what else can you say? Uh, third best rushing yardage day in Kentucky history. Uh, just tremendous, tremendous. The big blue wall finally lived up to the billing. And so uh, as you and I have talked about, if I know that was a historical performance. But if you've got something you can hang your hat on, I like this team moving forward Uh, defensively. And I've got this. I'm no Corey Price, but I got some numbers. Let me get the numbers.
0: Big Boss Man, Ben Sutter, Head Hunter, BS3 Network, jumping in. What's up, Ben? Appreciate Uh, you.
1: But Ray Davis, 26 rushes, 280 yards, and three touchdowns. Also caught a nine-yard pass. Uh, for a touchdown, that's tremendous. Uh, on the defensive side, ATN for Florida was that dude. You know, that was the talk going in. Was could we stop Florida's rushing attack? Uh, 29 rushes total for 69 yards, 2.4 yards a clip. Yeah, yeah, they can handle the they could handle that Florida rush. So it's it's so bizarre is that Mertz. Was 25 of 30, 244 yards, uh, and rated out pretty high, but I just never thought that they were in the game.
0: No, no, sure
1: weren't. Uh, You know, Kentucky fans, and look, I get it. Waiting for the other shoe to drop. We've been up on Florida big before, but I'm like, this ain't that, this this right now ain't what we're used to with Florida. I mean, it was at least a two touchdown cushion for three and a half quarters of the game. Mm-hmm. And it just never felt, and that's what the passing game kind of misfired, and Leary being 9 of 20 with some drops, and and, and he was a little off the mark a little bit, but still, it, it was a comfortable, comfortable win against Florida, and I don't think we played our best game. Yeah, yeah.
0: And the fact that Ray did what he did, he's the only back besides Mo Williams to ever top 100 yards against Florida in Lexington. Moe and Ray, and that's it. And I know, you know, they had the upper hand and been dominant, but we've had some some good running backs come through, and Mo and Ray are the only two to top 100.
1: Yeah. against That's ridiculous. Ooh. So you you gotta you gotta bask in that right. You gotta bask in uh, the the great performance. Uh, you know this was the best case. Obviously, going five and zero is your best case scenario through five games. Uh, but for me, it's the defense that has been spectacular. When you got Dion Walker and dropping back in pass coverage <laughs> and leading to an interception. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. I know we're going to look forward uh, look ahead to Georgia, but for me uh, i'm I'm of that generation. I'm not looking a Florida W in the mouth, right? I'm to the point you know <laughs> when you when you go almost 40 years without seeing it, let me bask in this a little bit.
0: The 19 point win was the largest margin of victory since. Friend of the show, we had him on here several times. Juan Portella, who was the quarterback of the Cats in 1979 when they won 31 and three, hadn't beat Florida that bad since Juan was quarterbacking the Cats when we were a year and a half or two years
1: old. So, well, and this and this is the thing too uh, that that you know, Corey Price, we had him on last week. He does, he's a numbers guy, and every Sunday he kind of gives us the numbers on Kentucky football, and every Sunday this is what happens. He gives us a nugget where it's like Kentucky hasn't done this thing since Bear Bryant was on the sidelines in 1950-something. You know, the three straight over Florida, uh, the defensive yardage per game, things like that. It's just we're living in, in, in great times. We really are.
0: We've got to keep this going because our guest is in the BS3 Network green room, a friend of the show. We talked about it. I said it to his face. We can take a topic that we'll spend five, 10, eight, 12 minutes on. This dude can do a whole two hour show on that one topic and not bore you and not be redundant. We're talking about our guy, the program director from the sports radio American network. Uh, he is from Memphis from down there where mama B is from TB. You know that he hosts the college credit hour on Mondays and Fridays. Um, uh, Voter member for the Football Football Writers Association of America. Look, he's big time. Is what I'm trying to say. Memphis Spence is backstage, and he joins us right now. What's up, Memphis? You doing,
2: gentlemen? Gentlemen, what is it? What's going on? Being being Kentucky fans, this is a pretty good pretty good run so far. So we're doing fantastic. Is that is that three three in a row on Florida?
1: Three in a row over Florida, first time since like
2: forty-eight, forty nine, fifty, fifty one. Yeah. First, yeah.
0: First, first, first time since Rip first time since Rip was one of his first titles.
2: Yeah, yeah. I wasn't alive. <laughs> I wasn't alive uh during that uh during that run. And and it's, it's interesting because I remember if you think back to like twenty eleven and Joker Phillips, you know, and uh the way he beat that last game of the season when he beat Tennessee, I was like, ah, there's something there. There's something there. You know, there, there, there's something there. I don't know if he's going to get a chance to, 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 to build on that. But, um, I tell you what, man, I just to watch Kentucky build their program from that point to this point is ridiculous. I mean, it's kind of been a, it's, it's been a, a, a an uphill climb up a mountain, but, but, this is, this is going to be a really legitimate game against Georgia that a lot of people are like, I don't know. But back in the day, it used to be, oh, yeah, it's Georgia. You know, this is, uh, you know, Kentucky, Vanderbilt. Um, you know, they, they weren't even looking at these games seriously. Now, this might actually be the game for the East <laughs> this year. Yeah. It's wild. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, and so it's, it's a total night and day. And if you look the last few years, Georgia really hasn't blown Kentucky out. I know, you know, I know it doesn't count, you know, horseshoes and hand grenades, you know, clothes doesn't count, but still 16, six last year, you know, it's it's been a while since they've put up those 50, 60 point games. It's, it's, it's been a physical yeah. game, which I, what I would I anticipate to see this coming Saturday.
0: Yeah, 30 to 13 last time they there in Athens, it was a 14-3 to mm-hmm. game the time before in Lexington. So, mm-hmm. and, like, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Uh, I caught Pat Dooley's podcast because, you know, he's all things Gator. And of course he was on with Steve Spurrier. And he was like, you know, I think Kentucky's going to get – Kentucky's good, not great, but I think they're going to get waxed by Georgia. I'm like, Have you seen the last several Kentucky-Georgia games? Th- they haven't blown Kentucky out in a while, like Terry said. Now, you yeah. know – we're still getting blown I'll out by it, but, you know. It's,
2: it's. I'll say this: this game, well, in in my opinion, this game has a lot to do with Leary, you know. Um, and I've been kind of watching him. I, I when he was at NC State, you know, uh, the the cool thing about Leary when he was at NC State is he, he didn't turn the ball over much. Um, this year, though, he's been kind of like I don't remember. I don't think. Leary turned the ball over, had more than five interceptions uh, a year when he when he was at NC State, and I think he already has five this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I've been kind of watching. I'm like, because mm, he was one of the guys on my my watch list. Like, let's see, you know, he's been injury prone. He had that one good year a couple of years back. You know, 35 touchdowns, five interceptions, and we're like, is this guy, is is this an N- NFL bid or something here? Were we and then he got injured. Uh, in 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 2022, transferred, and I'm, I'm he's on my watch list to watch to see if you know he's he's NFL worthy or somebody should take a uh, a uh you know a, a flyer at him maybe late in the rounds. But this game's gonna and this game's really gonna tell us a lot about that because if he can not turn the ball over, run stuff, uh, and and I, I I guarantee you Stoops have to. If I'm Stoops, I'm running everything off of play action just because of what I saw last week with Florida <laughs> and that line moving people. That was impressive, guys. That was, that was probably one of the most impressive wins that I've seen this year. The way Kentucky m- moved Florida off the line. And we're not, we're not talking about – we're talking about Florida. These are legit athletes out there. You know, even if their coaching is kind of suspect these days, there's still some legit athletes, you know, and I'm like, man, they're, this Kentucky line is moving people. So I, I was impressed by that. I actually um, uh, hit up the Doak Walker Award and was like, hey, man, hey, <laughs> uh, you might need to take a look at this. Somebody needs your attention over here. And, you know, uh, it's uh,
0: and, and, and they they uh, heeded the. Urging of Memphis Spence. His his words have power. I
2: I like to lead people in the right direction. (laughs) Right. I, you know, I I like to point out, like when, when I said, when I saw Ray Davis, I was like in the first quarter, I was like, Oh my, let me, let me make sure that there was somebody watching this because I don't, I vote on 10 of the 25 college football awards, but I know somebody that votes on all of them. Heisman, everything. And so you know I like to point people in the right direction on things and like when I see something I'm like okay watch this because if they're not watching the game if we don't alert them to what's going on or if they don't know if there's not enough voters watching then Davis doesn't get you know they it, it, it really has to do with the actual individual performance not necessarily the numbers um, but if you get enough people watching if there's enough voters watching or whatnot and you know they send out those alerts then you can get people, you know, uh, you can get on the, the the radar for the year, and I think that's where uh, Davis is winning that um, uh, Dote Walker of the Week award. He's now on the radar for the actual award later on this year, uh, but it all came through that offensive line, man. That that's uh, that offensive line is it's looking nice, guys. It's looking nice.
1: And, and we were concerned as Kentucky fans because it wasn't quite what it had been. You know, for the Benny Snell years, for the Chris Rodriguez years. Mm-hmm. Last year, I think, was an aberration. But it looked like, on, to me, on Saturday, we, we're back to it.
0: And things getting guys in the right place, pieces in the right place. They had Jagger Burton at center, and yeah. there were some high snaps. They moved him back to guard. This was his second yeah. game back at guard. Eli yeah. Cox back at center. And, like, if people are healthy, maybe they kind of, you can catch a rhythm and, and you know, Find that groove that that they haven't been able to find for a little Maurice
2: bit. Maurice Cox and and Dylan Ray, that left side of the line. The, the, you, all of us. I'm, now, back in the day, I was a lot skinnier and I ran track. You know, now, no, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not putting in a five. I'm not putting in any, you know, uh, uh, four or fives or anything like that. No, I'm not running anywhere right now. Um. But I guarantee you behind that left side of the line on Kentucky it looked easy and I was like man they could run off tackle all day because and when you have something when you have something like that where you know here's 4 yards if you want it whenever because Florida wasn't for whatever reason Florida could not the left side of the, the left side of the line for Kentucky was just killing killing them. And those two guys in particular, uh, Dylan Ray and and Marquise Cox, killing them. And they knew they had that in the bag whenever they wanted it, you know, go left or whatnot. So then you can build everything off of that. You can build play action off of that with Leary if you wanted to. Um, you can counter off of that. You know, you have everybody shifting over to that side because, you know, that, that side's so strong. You counter off of it, and all of a sudden there's this gap, these big gaps on the right side uh, that you know, one good block, it's gone for thirty yards, and it looked like the game was a little bit too easy for Stoops. How long has he been there now? He's been there what? Six, eleven. Seven
0: this,
1: eleven. I think 11, this is year eleven. He's year only. 11. He's only behind Saban as far as SEC longevity right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that's fantastic. It was yeah, Saban,
2: and then Stoops, and then you know everybody cool. else. Yeah, Saban then stoops. That's mm-hmm. he has legitimately built Kentucky into a powerhouse. And that's something that I think just watching it happen over the years. I, I remember there, there were years where everybody was like, hey, uh, one day Kentucky's going to have a 10 win season. And I remember, you know, just kind of watching a couple of five and seven years and a couple of seven five years and whatnot. I'm like, no, oh, this is—he's building something here. He's building something, and then I caught my shot in 2018 because I thought, okay, this looks—this looks like the rest of these teams over here. This might be the 10-win team that everybody's been looking for for years.
0: You said it on here, like in week two. You yep. came on yep. here and said that. You said yep. it.
2: I'm an analyst. That's what I do. Like I—I mm-hmm. I, I, I try to, I, like I said, I try to point people in the right direction. And you know, when I see something, um, I, I kind of try and point it out and, and let people know this is what I'm seeing. Uh, now you know, if this happens, this, this is this is this is why. And, and Kentucky's been a powerhouse basically since that point. You know, 2018 was the it was kind of like planting the flag, like, hey, we're in the sec, we're not, you can't take us lightly, we're on your schedule. We're going to beat you if you don't scheme for us. And it's been like that for a while now, especially – I couldn't even imagine – even then I couldn't imagine uh, beating Florida three times in a row. That's just a – that's an accomplishment, guys.
1: Well, to – I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, for me, it's – losing to Kentucky used to get you fired in the SEC. Right. You know (laughs) – Right. All those Florida coaches, back, was it McIlwain? Was that the coach of any who beat Florida or the first man. time? You know, man. and all the South Carolina coaches, starting with Steve Spurrier, he lost to Kentucky. He's like, I'm not even finished this season out. I'm done. I'm out. Well, it's not yeah. that anymore, yeah. right? You know, it's, it's like, well, you know, we've got to do better. It's not just this freak thing where it's like, lose to Kentucky. Now you got to go update your resume, right? You got to go to career builder or whatever. And that Whoa. to me is a step in the right direction. And I want Kentucky fans to understand that. Like, in Memphis, you cover college football. You understand you got to find out as a program what makes you happy. Yes, everybody wants to win a championship, right? But mm-hmm. if you're not on that echelon, how what else, where how else do you find your joy, right? You beat your rivals. Right. right. You, you right. knock off a, a, one of the big boys you haven't beaten in a while and you go to right. a pretty good bowl game. That is the majority of college football.
2: Mm-hmm. That
1: mm-hmm. That's where like 80 teams are. Right. You're trying right. to get to that eight, nine, maybe 10 win plateau. Beat mm-hmm. You'll know, have some fun. That's what you should be looking for. You, I, I think just football in general, we're looking for this playoff of the championship. That to me is not what college football is all about.
2: Just, that it is for certain programs, but it's right. not for most. Every year, right. I tell people like when we're when we're coming into the season, and I just, I had Bill Bender on uh, Sporting News the other day, and we'll at the beginning of the season we'll kind of put out like okay these are the ten teams that can make it, and I don't know between him and I when we pick out those ten teams, it's very rare. I think Cincinnati one year uh, got into the college football playoffs a couple, but it's very rare that a, like three of the four teams are usually right because that's that's kind of that's that's how they built this thing they built it to keep people out it's different than like college basketball where they built it for inclusion they built they built that so that there's a, a lot of teams in that keep expanding it now it's at 68 so there's a lot of teams in with an opportunity they built the college football playoffs for the opposite exclusion you know they're, they're trying to keep other teams out or whatnot and if you're not it's hard to come it's hard to get into the college football playoffs starting unranked in the season because starting unranked in the season, you literally have to beat at least four ranked teams to even get into the conversation. Most of the time, the teams who are ranked at the beginning of the season are the teams that, that, you know, the media uh, self-included have picked out to say, Hey, these are the teams, you know, this is what they, how they finished last year. This is who they lost to the NFL. This is who they gain through, uh, through um, well, now it's the portal and through recruiting. Uh, and this is kind of where we see them, you know, at the start of the season. And if you're not in those top 25 or, your, or my Super 16 or something, the FWAA Super 16, it's really hard to get into that top four to six position to even be in the discussion to get into the playoffs. So you're right, Terry. I mean, it's for most of us, it's. Hey, can we get to a new year six bowl? That's a, that's a crowning achievement, right? If you can get to a new year six bowl, or if you can not only have a good year and beat your rivals, but can you take that next step? What's that next step for the program? And are you approaching that? Whether that's a 10 win season, whether that's, you know, somebody win a Outland trophy or a Doak Walker award or, or a Bronco Nagurski award or, or, Or an out, you know. Somebody wins an award, you you take a next step as a program. You get, uh, you know, a significant amount of players into the NFL. You have a football program, and that's where I say, outside of that top five percent that can get into the playoff every year, the other thirty-five percent, you know, of of uh, upper echelon college football teams are basically playing for something like that. Uh, You know, and that's what the top 40 percent is looking at. The top 5 percent is basically, you know, trying to buy for the the college football playoff. The other 35 percent below them are looking at, you know, an accomplishment. Uh, Somebody wins an individual award. Somebody gets, you know, maybe the team can get into a New Year's six game or or, or something, uh, whatever the next step is for that program.
1: And and this is what we've talked about before on here is. Everybody thinks my program should be a non-win program. Like, we just assumed that. But, and this is where I get to throw out some numbers, Vinny. Over the last 50 years, and that's mm-hmm. BCS, that's uh, playoff, that's back when we were split national titles. Only mm-hmm. five programs have averaged nine wins over the last 50 years. Sounds about right. Bama, Georgia. Nebraska, Ohio state, Oklahoma. Okay. That that's not Michigan. That's not USC. That's not Mm -hmm. Texas. That's not Florida. That's not Florida state. That's not the U. And so my thing is when it comes to football, yes, playoffs and that goal is nice, but how else are you going to be happy? Because I tell folks I'm in Iowa now, right? -hmm. And people are like, how how can Kirk Ferentz be here 25 years? And I'm like, he beats Iowa State 85% of the time. There you go. He beats Nebraska like 70% of the time. Mm -hmm. He beats uh, Minnesota. They play for that pig trophy like, you know, 70, 80% of the time. And when things break right over the last 10 games, they got a winning record against Michigan. You know, Fantastic. and they've beat Ohio State a couple of times, and they have uh, uh, Mackey Award winners. That's for tight ends, yes. Vinny, because uh-huh. they they, they breed tight ends here, right? Uh-huh. Uh, they just honored Robert Gallery when he won the Outland Trophy a couple years ago, right? And that to me is that's embracing who you are as a program. Is that embracing mediocrity? No, no. no. but it's saying. This is what we're going to do, and I think more programs should try to do that. And Vinny, I've been cutting you off, so I apologize. Sorry about oh, that.
0: Oh, it's no problem. I I'm just want I'm just to go back to y'all's point about Cincinnati, how exclusion, they had to have two phenomenal years to even get that playoff appearance. They had right. to go it like twice, right. and they were like, okay, you you duplicated what you did, so we'll, we'll let you in this time. And then going back to Stoops, you know, you guys talked about how He's kind of made it a power. Mm-hmm. And with me looking at Kentucky hires, you kind of look at, well, where's this guy coming from? Well, I looked at Bill Curry. Well, he came from Alabama. He was around a good pro- – maybe he can bring some of that here. Right. You hope. Right. I was like, well, Stoops came from Florida State and Miami. Maybe he can He can bring some – he's been around some good programs. Coach Ed Reed knew all this kind of stuff. He a defensive coordinator. And slowly but surely, methodically, he kind of hasn't blinked. He's he's knew what he was gonna do, and oh, yeah. he's gradually put all of the pieces in place to where he looks around. I got good football here, like right. I had there. Right. We you know, Deion Walker and these recruits the of uh, Commit today. We're not huge recruiting guys, but Brian Robinson out of Youngstown, edge rusher, just committed. We we saw what happened with Josh Allen, and he was a two-star that only Kentucky and Mammoth ordered. I mean, Alford. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now, now Stoops getting four stars when he's developing and recruiting like this. Well, Stoops, look, look out now. I'm Stoops, just...
2: Yeah. I, I, if he's getting four stars, that's fantastic. Plus, you said Youngstown, Youngstown, Ohio. That's
0: where he, the Stoops was. In Stoops Merrill, is from, friend,
2: yeah. yeah. Stoops is yeah. from Youngstown, Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to live right around the corner in Warren, Ohio, when I was a kid. Mm. I still got a lot of family in Warren in Youngstown, Ohio. There's probably there might be somebody listening to this show from from there. Um, I know there's folks that listen to my show from there a lot. There's a uh, so not only to 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 build on your point, Vinny. Not only did Cincinnati have to go undefeated twice, UCF had to do it, and Memphis had to go and 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 lose one game to Penn State in the in the. Uh, what was it? The Cotton Bowl. I mean, the entire conference had to basically build these blocks up to. Okay, here's another American Athletic Conference team that's undefeated. How are we going to let them in this year? Because UCF did it they didn't let them in. Uh, uh, Memphis got there, didn't let us in, but we got a nice little you know consolation to to go play Penn State in the uh, the Cotton Bowl. Okay, fine, we lost that game by I think 14 or whatnot, but it was a lot better than people thought. And they were like. Maybe, maybe we should let one of these teams in Cincinnati follows us that it took all of that from 2017 all the way to the time they got in, in order for them to get in. That's what I'm saying. There's not, I don't know how many, there are so many things that had to go right for them to even get a shot that, you know, it was, it, it's, 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 and that's why they're actually in the, the big 12 now, you know? So there's a, but most teams don't, you're right. You guys are Right. Most teams they don't have that opportunity. They're not at the beginning of the season. There's a lot of the the futures already semi painted as to how this college football season is going to go in terms of who's at top. That can't you have to be able to beat at least four ranked teams in order to go from you know unranked to you know playoffs by the end of the year. Uh, and if you can do that, then you know you're you're in the you're in the picture. But you know, if you're if you're not ranked, if you're not even in the AP top twenty-five, then it's very hard to get into, you know, the the college football playoff if you don't start there at the beginning of the year.
0: Question from our guy Jay Hayes. We got it popped up here in response yeah. to what you were saying. Doesn't that fall on okay. the coach, though, for who are they scheduled to play? thoughts on that?
2: Somewhat. Um I mean, you're your in-conference schedule is your in-conference schedule, right? But you're out-of-conference schedule, you can still schedule those. And, yeah, it does fall on the co- – your strength of schedule, you know, out-of-conference out does fall on your coach to do. So, in part, yes. However, if you notice – and here's something that I want to see happen because uh, it's always been a theory of mine, guys, that we didn't need to schedule these football games out seven years. We don't need to do that. This is to- – it was 2023. And I was just like, you know, what we need to do is figure out, you know, just like the NFL, figure out, you know, year after year, who are the best teams in these conferences and start doing like some round robins, you know, number one plays number one, number two plays number two, number three plays number three. And, 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 you know, I got some kickbacks, some flack on that, like, oh, we can't schedule the hotels, this, that, and the other. Oh, it'll be a, a logistics nightmare. Then COVID hits. Then we had to do it. And we did it,
1: and, and I was it was like, a, that was just playing phone tag. Like, what you doing in two weeks? I, I'm free in two
2: weeks. Let's make it happen, right? And the, the, I was the, like, well, if we pulled the curtain back during a a global pandemic, why can't we do this during the regular season? Because I think, like, I would love to see a situation where, and now since the Pac-12 is dissolved, uh, it may be even easier, Um, but. uh, I'd love to see a situation where the top, at least the top five of each of these conferences, have like some sort of round robin every year to schedule each other. It makes it a lot easier for us voters to to figure out which conference is what. And to to Jay's uh, point, you know, I mean, if if the if the out of conference schedules had more meaning to them, then I think, I'll, we'd know a lot more. Or, or there would be more opportunity, I would say, throughout the throughout the season. And people would be playing for something. Like, hey, I finished fifth or "or I finished fourth in my division. Next year, I'm in this round robin to play some of the bigger, you know, bigger uh, programs in, in these other conferences. And that's going to do nothing but strengthen your schedule there. Um, my, little
0: sister, it, my little sister agreeing. She's saying, right. Play the best teams for everyone's strengths. Makes
1: sense. A well, and, and a little bit to that, Memphis, you know, you remember the old Metro Conference, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, and so <laughs> trying to explain to folks that the Metro Conference was all cities, was mostly city schools. Yep. But they were all little brother colleges in their state. Yep. Louisville. Yep. Memphis State. Right. Cincinnati, right. Virginia Tech, right? Yep. All those teams. Florida State for a little bit before mm-hmm. they made it to ACC. That's right. So these schools have this in in institutional kind of memory of they've been bucking the system forever and ever. Forever. Like the Tigers have been trying to eat off of the Volunteers' scraps. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals trying yep. to eat off our scraps, right? In Cincinnati, right. trying to be able. To, so for those programs to. Well, you know I'm a Memphis State dude. Like Mama, Mama B, she, 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 she's, she's, we, we, we Tigers through and through. But they've got this chip on their shoulder of, we will show you. And so Mm -hmm. when Memphis does well, when Cincinnati does well, even UCF, you know, Mm -hmm. being in the shadows of, yeah, uh, they. But the thing too is, what, what's the benefit in playing these teams if you're, if you're, uh,
2: Ohio State has to be forced. Because yeah. I, I guarantee you, there's no reason, like, it, it, the, the worst possible scenario for any of the Power 5 teams was to play the American Athletic Conference in between the time it started and last year. The American Athletic Conference had a winning record against Power 5 teams. Imagine that. Like, oh, man, there's, like, I got, I got UCF on it. Uh, it, was, it was a real interesting thing because people were saying, like, we weren't Power 5, but we just beat Power 5 schools. And that was the that was the thing. It was just like, well, wait a minute, why are we? And that's why we. That's why there's they started snatching them. Uh, there's there's a there there was a there was an interesting. And to your point, yeah, that was always our time to show the world that everybody had them circled. Everybody, you know, even Houston, Houston would go out and 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 you know do something crazy and beat a team that they weren't supposed to beat. That would give them, you know, a ranking. Memphis would go beat them. That would give us a ranking. UCF doing the same side thing on the uh, on the other side, and all of a sudden we're ranked playing in the – champ. both of us are ranked playing in our championship game. And that's not supposed to happen. But that was happening because we were going out there and beating the Power 5 teams that were ranked, and that's how we – we, we, we were conference killers. Nobody should be scheduling us, but the problem is they were scheduling us out Four or five years in advance, maybe seven even. And now you're coming up. Wait, wait a minute, man! They were playing in the Cotton Bowl last year. We don't want Memphis on the schedule. <laughs> no, man. They got two playing in the NFL. We can't have that. And 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 that was one of those. It, it's it's a reality check for a lot of the Power Five programs. That's what that conference was. Now, not so much. There's, I mean, two lanes there. We saw what they did last year. They're still around. Uh, Memphis is still there. Uh, Tulsa. Uh, I mean, ECU, they still need to get it together. They were good once. But, you know, um, not there's not a lot of uh, – UTSA, the Roadrunners. Oh, yeah. They work good. Uh, Frank, Frank Harris, he's, he's still uh, a stud. Um, but, you know, the, you don't have the – you're not looking at your schedule when you're looking at the top six, you know, American Athletic Conference teams like, I don't want to have nothing to do with them because those guys really have a winning record against all of us you know going uh, it, it was a dream of mine just to roll up into you know uh, UCLA and win we did that it, it, it's a it's an interesting but it's an interesting thing when you start looking back at you know like how those schedules are built and when and looking at what the records were then when they scheduled them because and that's that's been the that's been the problem for a lot of these teams and and then all of a sudden if you start scheduling these teams, when they're three and nine and then five years later, they're coming out of a cotton bowl, you know, then what do we do now? You know, right now that boosts your, that, that, boosts uh, that boosts your schedule if you can beat them. But those were the teams that the American athletic conference were picking off, which is how Cincinnati even got, like I said, it, it kept happening. It kept happening. And all of a sudden Cincinnati's in the college football playoff. Like, well, wait, we can't have this happen. They're not supposed to be here. We built this so that they're not here. But all the, but because of those scheduling, and I I would say scheduling faux pas, because if if you're any one of these teams, Oklahoma, UCLA, you don't want to lose the American Athletic Conference. So you might well, lose a recruit that way too. Well, <laughs> and, and it doesn't help that the the big state schools won't play
1: those teams. Texas yeah. won't play Houston. No, Ohio either. State won't play. Uh, no. Cincinnati
2: and Tennessee. they ain't playing uh, Memphis. Memphis, oh. yeah. Nope, no, nope. it's not going to happen. So. And there's a reason for that. And there's a really good reason for that. I mean, I, Peyton Manning is still one of my favorite players.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> when Memphis beat Peyton Manning mm-hmm. and, 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 and denied Tennessee a national championship, that was it. They were like, we're all right, we're not ever playing them again. We're going to get nope. them off the schedule. This nope. ain't happening. We can't have the in-state school beat us. And that's the only win that we've ever had over them. That's the funny thing. We're like twenty-two and one, but the one year, you know, that <laughs> Manning has this shot, we beat them, and they're just like, "Okay, we're not doing this." Yeah, uh, what? what that's a wrap. Let's let the contract, and that's a wrap. We're not. We're and we are never put ourselves in that position again. And believe me, I understand that. <laughs> I get it. That's the only reason why Peyton Manning doesn't have a championship, a college football championship, and. It, and, and, you know, that's a, I, I understand why they won't do that. But, and I remind them, you know, like, hey, you don't, you still don't want to play us. I, and I understand why. Um, but it, it, I, the, the other thing, though, I love is the uh, Louisville, UK matchup every year. I, I love that. I love to see you guys play because uh, that doesn't happen in every other state. That's a, that's a real rivalry between real rivals. And that rivalry I've seen can go either way.
1: And, the best thing about it it doesn't matter the sport it is just a
2: brutal just a i love it yeah it's a it's a real it was a joy with the seven years that i lived in, in louisville over in fern creek uh it was a joy yeah fern creek <laughs> that's right uh, man yeah um but the the the, fir- the 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 seven years that I lived out there, man, that those were some of the most special uh, those are some rival years. And I really got into that rivalry and I was like, man, this is like sports right here. Because it could be soccer. It could be volleyball. It didn't matter. You know, yeah. women's basketball. It was it was it was a real rivalry. And I don't know outside of North Carolina, I'm not sure if many states really meant well, I mean, there's always Michigan, Ohio State. But in in in-state rivals, I don't think that there's that many in-state rivals. Maybe UCLA, USC, um, uh, where it gets that hectic. But uh, usually, it's a bigger of state rival like uh, Texas and Oklahoma or something like that. It's not a big in-state rival like Louisville and Kentucky. Those that's a real rival right there, and that rivalry ain't ending soon. Nope, it ain't yeah. ending anytime yeah. soon. There's hate. There's real. There's legit hate in that rival.
0: That's right. Hey Memphis, tell us for everybody real quick what you got coming up on your show, College Credit Hour, uh, and we got to get you on again. We got our next guest in the uh, yeah, History yeah, Network yeah. Green Room, but it's been too long. Got to get yeah. you on again before football's yeah. over, and you know basketball is coming. But what what you got coming? You always have good content, great guests. Oh yeah. Uh, tell everybody where they can find oh, you.
2: Tony Saracusa, last word on college football is going to be on uh, Thursday. I think we're also going to have one of our, uh, our, our intern writers on on, um, on, on Thursday, also on my show, uh, the college credit hour, noon to two Eastern uh, sports radio, America are doing a lot of stuff. We're starting to, we're starting to build out infrastructure on uh, uh, a network called Omnitube. There's going to be a sports radio, America TV there. Uh, and uh, that's on uh, Roku and fire TV right now. So, um, and Omnitube has pretty much everything, movies, shows, uh, we're going to have some live sports, sports talk, everything there. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of, uh, uh, a lot going on, a lot still happening, uh, over on my area. And it's always a pleasure, uh, to grace the airwaves with two of the legends of, control. <laughs> <laughs> two of the legends. Light. We we wow. appreciate
1: it. And Mama B is gonna appreciate that. Uh uh being from Memphis with that Fern Creek oh, yeah. shout out. That's that's a very narrow window of people that represent, but we always appreciate there it, Memphis. Yes, sir. There you go. Thank you, so you guys. Much, appreciate mm-hmm. you, man.
0: Memphis Spence, Sports Radio America, College Credit Hour. Yeah, uh, catch him twice a week on Mondays and Fridays and you'd be glad that you did um, so we definitely appreciate Tuesdays, you.
2: Like Mondays and Thursdays Mondays and Oh my bad Mondays and, Mondays Thursdays. and
0: Thursdays yeah okay yeah. all right my bad thank you Mondays and Thursdays check him out and we'll get you back on again. up next we have our guest who is from my hometown of Lynch Kentucky fellow Harlan Calian a little bit younger than me I think he's a I think he was a freshman when I was a senior but uh he wears a lot of hats he is the director of operations for the portal 31 coal mine and tour in lynch kentucky got a lot going on this week it's a busy week and he's here to talk to us about what's going on and what everybody can come to lynch and see we got nick sturgill nick how are you doing man i'm good benny how are you can't complain can't complain just so glad i got in touch with you yesterday. and We are able to talk and you were able to take some time out of your busy week with everything going on leading to Friday to to hop on here, man. Thank you so much.
3: Uh, It's my pleasure, man. And it was a pleasure getting to chat with you yesterday.
0: Oh, man. Definitely enjoyed it. So tell everybody you can start wherever you want. You know what what's going on Friday, why everybody's coming to Lynch, what the center of attention is going to be just i just give you the floor and and what you do all the hats you wear in in addition to what's going on at the portal
3: well here in lynch kentucky we've uh we've got a little place called portal 31 and portal 31 uh, we have an underground exhibition mine and the mine actually opened up for tours back around 2007-2008 uh but the last three years we've actually been undergoing a uh two and a half million dollar renovation and finally got that completed and we're set to have our grand reopening this Friday at eleven a.m. And uh as far as Portal 31 goes, I tell everybody there's not another place like it in the world. Uh there's really not. Um this is a place I tell people that you can actually come and experience the history. Um, You know, you being from Lynch, you understand Lynch is full of history. That's all Lynch is, is pure history. And here at Portal 31, people can come and do an actual underground mine tour and really get to experience that firsthand. Uh, They get to experience the, you know, a little bit of the blood, sweat and the tears that, that, that these men went through. Uh, Mining this coal here in Lynch and in Harlan County to, uh, you know, not just only help their lives, but help better the country, help win two world wars, things like that. But, um, you know, it's been a hectic week, but we're looking forward to Friday, looking forward to our grand reopening so that, uh, you know, we can get as many people in here as possible so we can give them a tour of the mine and give them a, you know, little bit of understanding a little better feeling of what these uh what these men went through working in this mine
0: and looking at the website portal31.org this is Kentucky's first exhibition mine right mm-hmm. so y'all are y'all are trendsetting in that area too first
3: in the yeah state. we're actually the first and still the only exhibition mine in the state of Kentucky
0: absolutely and you, you talk about you know so many people in the history, where we're from, you're either a, a son, a grandson, a great-grandson, a, a nephew, or of somebody who worked in the coal mines. Both of my grandfathers worked in the coal mines. My dad's dad moved from Alabama as a teenager to Lynch because they heard down there that, hey, there's, they're mining coal in Kentucky and they're paying good wages and you know things are better there than they are here in Alabama. And this is early thirties. He's born in 1915. Right. So early thirties, yeah. he as a teenager moved to, to Kentucky. And, and my mom's dad, uh, his family came when he was a toddler. So that's, that's why, you know, we're in Kentucky. And so a lot of other people from Pennsylvania, West Virginia, you name it, came to Lynch at that time.
3: Yeah. And that's, that's one thing that, that really sets Lynch apart from a lot of other co camps is Lynch is well known. Um, for having over 40 different nationalities living and working here at one point in time. And that's mainly because, you know, early on here when U.S. Steel, which U.S. Steel, that's who came into Lynch and actually built the place. Uh, When U.S. Steel came into Lynch early on, they had an issue with manpower. Uh, They really couldn't find enough men to work. Uh, You had a lot of men off uh, fighting World War I and trying to get men underground. It was tough early on. The first call for manpower was for 2,000 men. That was an issue in 1917. So what U.S. Steel did, they actually set up recruiting offices in and around Ellis Island and were actually recruiting immigrants to come to Lynch. And, you know, if you think about it, You hear that old story of an immigrant, you know, kind of getting off the boat, having just a couple of bucks in his pocket. What's the main things that they're looking for? Food, shelter, job. And that's what US still offered them. And that's why those people came down here. But they really found that American dream here in Lynch. And that's why still today, you've got a lot of those families that are still here.
0: And for as much as, people not from here want to want to stereotype where we're from. It was more of a melting pot than anywhere.
3: Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, one thing about Lynch is um, it was like one big family and, you know, growing up your dad being a coal miner and all, all, there's no camaraderie like it that I've ever seen other than the military, as far as men Mm -hmm. working underground And these men became one big family. And that's why I always say I've never seen in my life a group of people with more pride than people from Lynch. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And it goes back to those men working in the mine because, you know, you're not only looking out for yourself, you're looking out for the guy next to you. And that not only happened in under the ground in the mine that happened when they got out outside in the town, because early on it was tough going, especially living here in a company town, these men fighting to join a union. It was tough. It was tough. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So definitely appreciate you, you know, painting the picture of the history Um I know you said the tours are all booked up. When people come and take the tour and starting Friday with the grand reopening, what are they going to see? Maybe don't spoil it, but give an idea of what they'll see or how it's set up or describe it how you want to. You're the director of operations. You do what you want, Nick.
3: (laughs) Yeah. You know, one thing that sets us apart from every other uh, coal mining tour really in the country is on our tours, you actually don't hear a real person talk to you. Our tours are all fully automated. It's all done with animatronic figures. We actually have an underground IMAX theater in our mind. And the way that our tour is set up, not to give too much away, but we visit eight different stops. Each stop is a different period in time. For instance, stop one is set in the year 1919. We progressed through eight different stops to the year 1960, which was three years before Portal 31 shut down. And at each stop, they'll show you the different types and aspects of mining that they did at that point in time. And like I said, the last stop on the tour, stop eight, it's an underground IMAX theater. I don't know of any other mine anywhere in the world that has an IMAX theater in it. And I always tell people that IMAX presentation is worth a ticket price by itself. It's phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal.
1: The TV man,
0: jump in. I'm, I ain't trying to just.
3: No, I'm,
1: <laughs> I'm excited about this, uh, Nick. When Vinny said that you were coming on because I'm from Louisville, uh, but I'm Kentucky born Kentucky. absolutely. Bred. And I'm in Iowa now. Don't ask long story. Got married, <laughs> but I am always beating my chest on what Kentucky means to the nation because it yeah. does get overlooked a lot. Absolutely. And I tell people, uh, you know, last year with the floods and everything, mm. uh, I said, you're not going to find hardier people than Kentuckians, period, or Eastern Kentuckians specifically. Because I tell people, you know, St. Louis calls itself the gateway to the West, but we all know. The first westward expansion started in Eastern Kentucky. Right. That was, and I said, that spirit of "we're going to make this work," exactly lives on in the state of Kentucky. Absolutely. I, and, and when I hear stories of you know the coal miners and the farmers, you know, I because t- again in Iowa they farm right, they mm-hmm. do a lot of corn here, but I'm like the thing is about Kentucky stuff don't grow. Like you got to really work the land. You got to. You got to. You got to. You got to. You got to dig into it to make a life here. Like right. it, it, it. It's. It's. And and you know people have their jokes about what Kentucky is and Kentucky isn't, but uh, I, that's why I love what you all are doing because that coal it didn't just stay in Kentucky. Mm. You know it, it went right. all over the world, right? Absolutely. And so I think there's this mindset of what Kentucky is. But I love stuff like this where we can explain, no, Kentucky is way more than you think and really way more important to the other
3: 50 than you might think. Absolutely. You know, when I was younger. I grew up always wanting to be a history professor because I love history. I always wanted to teach history. This to me is better than any teaching job I could ever find, because to me. I don't get political with coal mining like a lot of people do what I want people to understand and realize when they come here, I want these people to understand what these men went through. I want them to understand what they were fighting for. And it goes back to what you just said, you know, Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, we get stereotyped as, you know, the dumb ignorant hillbillies, you know, with one tooth in our head, but these coal miners, there's not another breed like them in the world. You know, they're hard workers, they're family people, but you know, the blood, the sweat, the tears that these men went through and women, um, you know, to help build this country, like you said, coal didn't stay in Kentucky. This place here helped fuel the industrial revolution. It helped win two world wars. It helped build the skyscrapers in every city in the United States simply because U.S. Steel, they wanted this coal for steel production. Okay. And that's really what I want people to understand, you know, when they come here is mining coal. There's nothing like it in the world. And there's no other job that I know of besides the military that actually helped build this country into what it is today. And that's why I, I just love working here. I love, you know, taking people through the mine and just letting them realize really what these men went through. And that's why I can't wait till Friday till we can reopen this place and start bringing people in here. And, uh, Vinny, I can't wait to see you on Friday, man. And I, I hope that I'm able to take you through here. I, I really do. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. And like you've mentioned, there's, you know, the, a lot of dignitaries and big shots is coming to, uh, TV down to Lynch. So don't, don't be, you know, making exceptions for me if i can't get in friday i'm definitely gonna come back (laughs) and get in don't don't be pushing me ahead of you know whoever that you already got coming but i'm i'm definitely uh excited about it what's what's on the agenda uh like i know it starts at 11 but is there what's the maybe if there's itinerary if you will of, of what will happen on
3: Friday? You uh, the program's really from 11 to 1, uh, but beginning at 11, um, that's when we're going to have the little ceremony. We're going to have uh, uh, Congressman Rogers and people like that, of course, will get up and speak. Uh, we also have food over at the Lynch Depot, so after the speaking engagement's done, the public can actually go and eat. Now, we're going to start running tours at 12 noon. Of course, the... Uh, the main dignitaries and the VIPs, I think they're going to end up, of course, going first. And then we'll run tours just as soon as we bring them out. We're going to run more. And we'll probably run up until dark. I, I would say 6, 7 o'clock we'll be running tours.
0: A whole a full day. That's awesome. That's awesome. Terry, uh, our friend of the show, we had our own. Nicking off the school with her, Brandy Romans is coming and doing a big cake. She's going to be oh, yeah. there as well. So
3: I can't wait to see that. It's, <laughs> it, it's, it's supposed to be something else. I, I was told that she was going to do a cake, um, actually make it of the portal.
0: You know, she I can do it. I
3: have no idea it. how she's going to do that, but I can't wait to see it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, she doesn't make a cake that isn't something. So, you know. right. yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah. going to be amazing. Um, where can everybody go uh, for more information uh, for since you're reopening if they want to plan to come and, and take a tour and you know get a hold of you or get a hold of who they need to get a hold of uh, to schedule a tour and visit yeah them.
3: and just to let everybody know, we will be launching a new website shortly. Uh, Within another month, maybe we'll be launching a new website. But as far as uh, getting reservations for the tour, because I do strongly recommend it, just call the portal, uh, the number 606-848-3131. And uh, we're open Tuesday through Saturday. We start running tours at 10 a.m. We run at the beginning of every hour with our last tour at four. Uh, Like I said, I do strongly recommend making a reservation and really the only way that um, you can set up a reservation is to call the office. Now in the future, that's going to change when we launch our new website, we'll have online ticket sales, online reservations, the whole nine yards.
0: Okay. Sounds good. Got a question there. We just showed it on the screen. Michelle Morton been listening to us since, since day one, she said, were there very many women working in the mines?
3: Now, unfortunately, we never had a female work inside Portal 31, and that's simply because it shut down in 1963. Uh, Female miners really didn't start in southeast Kentucky until the early 1970s. However, here in Lynch, uh, Mine 32, Mine 33, Mine 35, all those other mines here in Lynch had women working in them. Um, Vinny, I know your dad, my dad, they all worked with women. And I know my dad always used to tell me that they were the hardest workers.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually that's how that goes.
3: <laughs> yeah. right.
0: And if uh uh and I know you remember, you know, he was just a little bit ahead of us in school, Anthony Ravazzi. oh yeah, fig, which we had Anthony on TB, he went to Moorhead State, he was a couple years ahead of me, he played running back and defensive back. His mom, Drina, worked in the mines, and that's what my sister. That's what my sister Tara's putting on the comment. Fig, yeah, fig's mom Drina worked in the mines too. And that was when we were 10, 11, 12 teenagers coming up. We I mean we all knew Drina was in there side by side with all the with all the men. Sure. Vinny,
3: did you do you or did you know Thomas and Julius Jones from uh Pow Valley, Virginia?
0: Yeah, yeah. That and went
3: pro. It, you know, their mom and dad both worked in the mines.
0: That's right. That's sure right. Sure did. And dad. Worked over there at Party for a while, and you know he yep. would see him and got to know him. And you know if he was, you know, on a Friday, he'd go to a high school game over there just as much as he would in Kentucky. So got to see him play. My sister was a, a is still in our end. She was there in Big Stone. She would see him when she go to the walking track. They'd be working out and stuff. So yeah, and believe it or not, uh, I was talking with Thomas on Twitter one time, but they've got family. In Lynch as well, even though they grew up, you know, oh, over really? in Big Stone. Oh, I, I didn't know they, that. Yeah, they got family I didn't know in Lynch, that. sure do. Sure they were
3: Lynch. heck of football players. I know oh that. man,
0: yeah, they were amazing. Sure were, sure were. You know, Julius there with the Cowboys, Thomas with the Bears and the Jets, and yeah, they were. So- I
3: see you with all that Cowboys gear on. What's brought that up?
0: Well, you know, we <laughs> we Terry and I, we are both Kentucky fans. The whole the whole thing with this podcast is. We agree on Kentucky and disagree on everything else. And <laughs> right. he, he's a big 49ers fan and they, they play Ooh. this weekend, so you know that's we, gonna be a good one.
3: <laughs> now, I'll be honest with you, my opinion, those two teams right there are the best in the NFL right right now. And the Cowboys that's gonna be a to good
0: game. Them. we need to we need to beat them boys. it's, it's been too long and everybody we'll everybody's we'll sick see. of them. We're all sick and we'll tired see. of them. So. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I have to ask Stephen hey. A. Smith what he thinks of the what he thinks of the Cowboys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we all know what he thinks. Lord have mercy. Uh oh, so the Jones were related to the Clarks, like Charlie Clark. Oh, okay. All right. There we okay. go. Thank you, little sis Tara. Uh your thoughts on the cats in Georgia, since you're on here, Nick, before we let you go, man.
3: You know, it obviously that's gonna be a tough one, but You know, the way that Georgia's been playing this year, kind of starting out slow in these games, I really think if Kentucky can run the football on them a little bit and not turn the ball over, I mean, who knows? You know, on any given Saturday, any given Sunday, anybody can win. And You know I'm going to pull for Kentucky. Now, my brother, believe it or not, is a big Georgia fan. Oh, okay. So, it's going to be a little bit of a problem, but – I mean, in all honesty, I, I don't really see them beating Georgia, but, I mean, they've got a puncher's chance. I Absolutely. really believe that.
0: Mm-hmm. And the best, the most legitimate chance in a long time.
3: You know, I, you know, I if it was at Commonwealth or Kroger Field, I'm sorry, I, I think <laughs> it would be a little bit different. Um, but I think being in Georgia, I just think it's going to be a little too tough for them. Yeah. But, you know, I hope they pull it out.
0: Yeah. You know, and like you said, they can, if they can jump on them, like South Carolina was up on them at halftime. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. They,
0: they barely got out of Auburn. Yeah. The win Saturday. So, you know, they, they're, they're you, still yeah. very good, but they might be coming back to earth a little bit. And
3: I think so. You know, I, I believe so. But like I said, if Kentucky can run the ball on them a little bit, not turn the ball over, they got a puncher's chance. Absolutely. I really believe that. For
0: sure. Well, I can't wait to see you Friday. I'm gonna head up there early Friday morning and and see
1: everything and 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 I'm coming. I'm gonna come visit. Please uh, do so. Although I'm not from Eastern Kentucky, I I wear my Kentucky stuff with pride because we just get overlooked. We really do. Everybody knows the first 13, right? And everybody knows the wild, wild west when we went westward. But there's that time period where we go from east to west where it's like and Kentucky was the driving force. I don't need to tell you that you don't know, Nick. But I just like to i just like to beat my chest a little bit when it comes to Kentucky. We're, we're more uh, than just horses and bourbon, although those are important. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we do other things as well. So I appreciate you coming on. No, I completely agree.
3: But, you know, we get people here literally from all over the world. And like I tell everybody that comes through here, at least for today, you're part of the Lynch family. And I hope you'll come down and see us too, man.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Looking forward to it and definitely looking forward to you coming back TV for sure. And uh continued success. Have a great grand reopening. Can't wait for Friday morning and continued days of opening and tours and full reservations. Oh, you know, from here on out, Nick man. Thank you so much. And yeah, we appreciate, appreciate it. You hey, CB,
3: nice meeting you, buddy. Nice meeting you too, So Thanks. Have a you. great day. Baby, I'll
0: you. see you Friday, bud. Yes, sir. See you, Nick. Thank see you so you guys. much. Nick Sturgill, Director of Operations for Portal 31, right there in our hometown of Lynch, Kentucky. Little sis Tara saying, Come on, TB. Come on. Come on down.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I can't remember what I was talking to the wife about. I can't remember what it was, but I'm like, you know, Kentucky was very, very important, just you know, in the formation of the country. Remember, you know, you got your first 13, and then you get, I think it's Vermont or New Hampshire is number 14. I can't remember which, one. Mm-hmm. but you know, we were the first ones going to the west, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And and you know, when you think about the Abe Lincolns and the Henry Clay's, and and there's Kentuckians' fingerprints all over. The formation of the United States into the 20th century, wow. so uh, but yeah, I, you know, listen to the farmers like, Hey, nothing grows in Kentucky. I've had to dig into the Kentucky clay, it ain't, it ain't great,
0: right? Yeah, that's it, that's it. Yeah, man, so that's gonna be a fun day, fun to get back home and, and see awesome. everything with the reopening for sure. So, thank, thank Memphis Spins and Nick for coming on, and Mama Will. Good cook for y'all TV. So yeah Yeah,
1: we yeah. need to we need to come you down know. there and bring 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 uh, mama B. She wants to, to come down. There. Yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll do that. But um we talked about Florida. I guess we gotta talk about Georgia uh a little bit. Uh, I think Kentucky's got a shot.
0: Yeah. I for
1: mean sure. that's that's my thing is it used to be when we were in school, oh we got Florida and Georgia. Okay. And then you'd have to get a whole list and be like, if this, if this, if this, if this, if this. this. But now it's like, you know what? Hey, we can run the ball against these guys.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, it's like Memphis Spence was talking about. You got these plays. We know we can get four or five yards doing this. That 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 opens up the playbook. That makes things easier. Now I know George is a different animal. Yeah. I get that. But I mean, losing 16 6 and Jordan was dominant last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The previous year, with 30 to 13, and the only team to score, what, uh, two touchdowns through most of the regular season on that Georgia team. So the gap is not as wide as it used to be. Yep. I just think defense travels. Uh, the big thing, obviously, you want to uh, do something with Brock Bowers. You know, he broke Auburn's back on Saturday. It's much easier said than done, but Kentucky's got a shot. Mm-hmm. And all you need is a legitimate shot. Uh, you know, a puncher's chance. The thing is, you got to knock the champ out. Uh, the big plays have to be there. Yeah. You know, whether it's Brown, you know, in the kick return game, uh, there's going to be a point where. Uh, Leary's gonna have to make a throw. Yeah. And the receiver's gonna have to make a catch. Yes. Yes. It's, just, it's, it's just that simple. You know, like when I talk about you know, quarterbacks in the Super Bowl, even if you've got a game manager, there's there's throws and plays that you have to make to win. You know, you 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 look at great quarterback runs and you know, Terry Bradshaw's numbers are pretty pedestrian. But we all remember those highlights of throwing to Lynn Swan and Stallworth, right? Like I know. Why,
0: why you gotta bring them up? See?
1: Because because you wearing that stuff on my show. So
0: <laughs> you wearing that stuff on my show. Well, there we go.
1: <laughs> but you know, so you know, Leary and company, they gotta make some plays. And uh I think they can. I think the defense is up to the challenge.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cause poof, man, they they are flying around. I mean, this is as soon as a Florida receiver caught it, I mean there was you know there were guys there, they were making tackles unlike <clears throat> unlike LSU. Oh, I mean, Ole Miss was just breaking tackles <laughs> left and right. Uh yep. You know, and we we had Coach Collins on here. Yep. Ask him about, you know, when you gotta do like a Brock Bowers, or and then ask him also about you getting these guys on defense and getting them developed. Does it allow Brad White to get in his bag? The answer is clearly yes, because we Dion Walker is dropping back in coverage, and they're showing all these looks that they what, had before. What are you going to do? He, the Brad White is in mad scientist mode, man. So he's cooking. Let that boy cook. <laughs>
1: Look, I'm. I'm I said it on round of shots. I'm not going to back off of it. Set it on spaces. I got cats by three. I, th- I think it's going to be like 20 to 17, mm-hmm. something. It, this is going to be a throwback to the 1990s. We are not going to see what LSU and M- Ole Miss did, right? No. This is going to be a physical game. And, you know, the the winner going to be too exhausted to lift their hand up. Mm-hmm. I, just think, I just think it's going to be in for a battle. Uh, that's just my two cents. Uh, it's a tough order, and I'm not saying it isn't, but I do think that, uh, I think the cats can get it done. That's, that's, that's my mindset. Absolutely. I got
0: one little soapbox to get on before we get off of here. And I, I don't do that a lot, but, um, you know, your lovely wife is a Cubs fan. I don't know if she was part of this, what I'm talking about. Our good friend, Sarah Sanchez was, and she's been on here a couple of times, the Cubs fans, they got so salty, about the game being stopped when Ronald Acuna, from our graves, joined the 40-70 club, stole the seventh base. And the broadcast guys, Boog, Shambi, and whoever is there now, and they were like, hey, we're in a playoff race, and they're stopping the game, and rah, rah, rah. And Acuna got the base and held it up, and they, they clapped, and it was in Atlanta, and hes they've been playing baseball a long time nobody has ever hit 40 home runs and stole 70 bases in the history of the game i know the cubs are in a playoff race trying to make a wild card but to me for them to be that salty about a little stoppage i'm like y'all got to chill because if the cubs were in this playoff race if they're playing at wrigley and say they call up a dude from AAA because you know need him to fill a spot, and he gets his first hit, they're gonna clap and give him the ball in Wrigley in the middle of this playoff chase. So don't holler at us about what we did for Ronald. I'm just, I'm just not trying to hear the Cubs fan. No disrespect to you, Kate. Okay? No disrespect. I love Sarah Sanchez as well, but, but Cubs fans got to chill.
1: They was just salty, man. Come on, man. it was, it was one of those things where the Cubs season if you had told them they'd be in the playoff hunt at the beginning of the season, they'd have, they'd have taken it, right? They started off slow, they had a nice little run and got close, and then the wheels fell off, as we you know we see happen fairly often in Major League Baseball, where you know a great summer, then all of a sudden, it's just, the wheels fell off. I thought they were a little bit extra salty yeah, uh, about that.
0: And when we had Sarah on, it was right at the All-Star break, and she was real optimistic about you know hey the schedule was weak our batting average has been this and this and this compared to Milwaukee and Cincinnati and this and this and this and she was laying out a path to hey we can turn this around and finish strong and it it didn't happen and so they was a little salty little Michelle, Michelle is a Cubs fan I know and, and look the Cubs fan y'all got y'all got to chill so I just had to well, I just had to say that I just had
1: to I'm like, yeah yeah, I, I get it. But uh, <laughs> uh, looking around college football, I don't know that any team is really, really good. Do we know who's good?
2: Mm.
1: Uh, highlight, uh, Brian Ferentz is is <laughs> behind the hole again because he's still got an average 27 points. Didn't get it against Michigan State, uh, even though lost Kate McNamara for the year. Mm. Uh, so I don't know. Look at the rest of the schedule. I don't see thirty-point games coming. I I don't see it. Mm-hmm. I don't I, I don't see it. So that's only going to get more and more awkward. Yeah,
0: it's awkward when to me when defense and special teams is kicking in on it for your contract. That was already a little. Well, well
1: Cooper Cooper DeGene uh, had a he broke the game open with a punt return. He he's got six or seven career touchdowns. He's second in his time at Iowa in touchdown scored, and he plays defensive back.
0: <laughs> See, stuff like the, that, man. The, the
1: defense has been out of this world, but the offense, if it was just mediocre, they'd win nine games a year. If it was just mediocre. But that, that you know, that feel, is what it is.
0: I feel sorry for the Corey Price of Iowa to have to, have to look up that. I, I mean, that dude... I,
1: I feel sorry because, like I told you before, when they won that one game last year, 7-3 to without a touchdown. And, like, when you look at offensive ineptitude, whatever the parameters, and I forget the numbers, the rest of college football over the last 40 years was 3 and 300 and something. Like, it was just, like, infinitesimal. Iowa, 2 out of 3. Iowa, 2 out of the 3 wins. Like, they they win like this. That's their whole get down. So, oh, God, uh, God. but there's that. Uh, you know, I don't know is Bama back. I don't know. Uh, you know, yeah. Dion's running up against it out there against USC. Uh, so I don't know about that. So I don't know about college football. A lot going yeah. on. You
0: know, it'll sort itself out, and we just have to watch the ebbs and flows of every week. It's like yeah. it's like the stories. For sports fans, oh, I gotta tune in and see what's going on this week. That's what it. That's what it is. But um, I gotta
1: ask you something before we get out of here. Now, mm-hmm. I, I, I see what you're wearing, and you know, I know you got the soundbite ready. I know you got the soundbite oh, for yeah. Jimmy Johnson yeah. ready. I know you got that ready. <laughs> I got. But I gotta
0: upload that. We new stuff. I gotta get that uploaded. But
1: but but, you really think y'all gonna walk into Levi's and walk out with a W?
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna like. I'm you know. Kentucky can go to Georgia. Dallas can go to Santa Clara, wherever y'all at. Kentucky can go to Athens. Dallas can go to San Jose, Santa Clara, wherever y'all are. You
1: you act like the Dallas is in Dallas.
0: Hey, but we... <laughs> come on now. Look, touche, touche. <laughs> I, t-
1: I told I told Kay about this because I said I know Vinny gonna be on one on Wednesday because he talked about this game. I love how you act like, because there's a lot of sports names, arenas, we're like, what is that? Like, who is that? I love how you're like, uh, is it Levi's Stadium? Like, you ain't heard of Levi's jeans. I love that. I love it. Like, I know at and is a thing, but is it, is it Levi's? I know you've heard of Levi's blue jeans. And then you go talk about, I know you, uh-oh, I know you're not in Santa, uh, San Francisco. Where are you? Y'all not in
2: Dallas.
0: Come on now. Just between Dallas and Fort Worth, just nice little drive from Dallas to Arlington. You know this, but look, it never been in Dallas. Used to be in Irving before that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So for for me, look, uh, I enjoy it. Like we've talked about before, when they played, this takes me back to my youth, where it was like, not only did you get the regular season game, but you knew you had to get the, you know, it was the NFC Championship game as well. So that regular season. Was sometimes the tiebreaker on who had that home field advantage. Mm-hmm. You know, because I remember, you know, that year with Dion like, okay, we won the regular season game, so now it's coming to the stick. And it came to pass, had to play in the muck and the mire and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it this this takes me back. You know, Memphis Spence talking about, you know, great rivalries, and I think pro sports. Outside of NFC hate, which that whole division and the NL Central, that whole division, you don't have the rivalries kind of like you used to. Like for me, even the Lakers Celtics, of course, I want to be the Celtics, but it's not quite the same. And I don't know why that is. It's hard to recapture, too. But let me tell you something. I've been looking on the timeline. The faithful to the Bay, oh boy, we are ready. To see if y'all them boys, we ready? Are y'all them boys? I've look. I've been nice. I have not tagged you. Somebody put a compilation of the last couple of playoff games. The one not getting the snap off, and then whatever it was with Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, I saw one. It was great with Titanic music because it's those plays and it's a shot of the Dallas people and it with a sad faces. We thought we was them boys, and then Celine Dion comes in. I've been good, have not tagged you in it. I have not tagged you in it. And I'll even say this. If the 49ers win on Sunday, I'm not even going to do my dancing. I saved my dancing for the playoff games. Okay, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Like I told uh, 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 Michelle a couple weeks ago, uh, she was on Round of Shots talking about, I said, look, I, got, I used to have the 49ers have eliminated – uh, Aaron Rodgers dance. And then it evolved to I can't believe the Cowboys did that on the last play of the game no. and the 49ers won dance. So I don't dance during the regular season. I got you. I understand. I understand. That makes sense. But it's gonna be fun. I, I look, I'm not on round of shots. Because Kevin was like, you coming on? I am not doing I am going to be locked in. This to me, this is a big game. I'm I'm locked in
0: absolutely I, that was uh that one time you weren't there and he asked me again he asked me to fill and i was like no nah, man this cowboy's not it i can't yeah. uh, uh michelle on, talking man. about michelle talking about acuna give the man his flowers she as a cubs fan had no problem with it yeah. uh the locker chiming in before they go live eight eyed and van hiles v hardy stay stronger i will so yes i will um one last thing, too. Uh, we don't do final shots, but Miguel Cabrera is about to retire, so happy retirement to him. Yeah. We thought we'd never see a triple crown in baseball, and he proved us wrong, and he was able to do that. Um, and last, two, J.J. Weaver, the feature the dude from yep. CBS did on J.J. Weaver about the grief of counseling and not having a place. When he was saying it, Kentucky doesn't have one. They don't have it UK. I'm like, that's about to change. And now they have sessions every Monday. The young lady is over it. Weaver's in there, Paul Rodriguez, Dion Walker in there, all these guys saying, hey, everybody thinks we're just invincible and our life is great. And we're human too. And so to see them and to yeah. see Weaver, Weaver basically initiate this program. And when he leaves UK, it's still gonna be there. That was phenomenal.
1: Man. Yeah, you know, I'm a big uh proponent and supporter of mental health and um, yeah, in grief uh, Not to get on my soapbox But uh, a lot of times we just kind of think Oh, we get sad You know, when someone passes And we do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or we think, you know, you get sad around a holiday um, But the people that have gone on in my life It's the most random things That'll open up them floodgates, man And so setting up something To help people navigate that As I've said before uh, here, a lot of places, death is the one constant that comes for us all, but we, as a society, really do a bad job of, of, of handling it, of talking about it, preparing for it, even though we all know it's going to happen, we do a really bad job at that. So, uh, I, I tell you the, the, the program on the field, Kentucky football has been, uh, growing and developing but off the field you know um it, it's just been it's just been it's just been great to see
0: yeah,
1: absolutely so
0: had to get all that in I think we got everything in uh fun show fun where, streaming on here on where, on Twitter where
1: where that cowboy stuff on yeah, my show wait dude. ain't that something
0: <laughs> fun streaming on here Facebook and YouTube and everybody that commented Thanks, to Memphis Spence. Thanks to Nick Sturgill. Thanks to everybody commenting. Go Cats and go Cowboys. Ain't nothing left left to say.
1: Mm-hmm. Ain't that something going to cut yeah. me off on of my own show? Ain't that, you know. we, we faithful to the Bay, baby. We All faithful right, to the Bay. Okay. All right.
0: And with that, we will catch everybody next Wednesday <laughs> don't. <laughs> don't upset little Jerry. Oh
1: my goodness. <laughs> oh, good. don't don't do it. Don't do it. I won't get the rest of my stuff out, but don't do it. Always <laughs> fun. We'll do it again.
0: Absolutely. It'll be up. You can watch it, you can listen to it wherever you like to check it out. Um we'll be back again. Thanks again to BS3 Network. Ben so appreciate you. See everybody next Wednesday for another episode of Cash Talk Wednesday.